God showed me where the power was. And I realized the power was not in my sermon or ability. The power was in the prayer closet. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Elif and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. I'm Bill Elif, and this is Kyle Reno, a co-host. And we are so thrilled that you joined us today. The whole purpose of this podcast is very defined, uh, and that is that we want to help accelerate the movement of revival and spiritual awakening across our nation because it's really the need of the hour. Yeah. And, you know, there are particulars about how God does this mm-hmm. and who He uses mm-hmm. in this process. Yeah, I mean, there's there's real truths to learn from the past, but there's also things to know that's happening currently right now in our nation. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Kyle, when I think about uh, this, uh, my beginning in this whole arena mm-hmm. was when I was 17 years old and I was a believer, but I'd been running from God. Mm-hmm. And He just brought me to the end of myself mm-hmm. and flipped me around well, that was in 1969, mm. and the Jesus Movement was happening. The Asbury Revival had happened. Right. And I went to college, and one day in a chapel service, um, a 15-minute, uh, you know, it was a f- scheduled for 15 minutes, right. lasted three and a half hours, wow. and they canceled classes. And I saw that God can do more in five minutes than 50 years Mm -hmm. of our best work. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he did something in me Mm -hmm. and in so many others. And I think uh, there are people that God can use, and there are some people that the Lord has to pass by. And I know you know a lot about that, Mm -hmm. and I want you to talk with us a little bit as we begin about Mm -hmm. who who is the man that God can really use, the woman that God can really use in his movements of revival and awakening. Yeah. Man, just hearing, Bill, you share again and me thinking about my personal story by God's grace. I was born again in the middle of a little R revival in Gardendale, Alabama. We saw the Lord move in in power. And and what I know is if you've ever been in one of those atmospheres or one of those seasons or seen that play out in a church, revival ruins you. (laughs) It, It ruins, for me, by God's grace, Honestly, I had never known anything other than that, than the real deal, because I didn't grow up in church. I I walked into the presence of God, sat under the preaching of the gospel of Jesus, experienced His presence, and was born again. But one of God's greatest graces to me is I was around men and women of God. Mm. And, And there were some chief characteristics about each of them. There were some things that was very unique to who they were and how they pursued God. And I, I remember coming to know Christ and surrendering to ministry. And the pastor in my life, I came to know Christ underneath, was Steve Gaines. And he preached an ordination service uh, that he, he talked about the three things that are chief characteristics about the kind of man that God uses, which I think translates to men and women that God would use mightily in the work of the kingdom. And so I, I'm going to take that and give it to you today in a way that God's teaching me about it. So here, here's three characteristics of the kind of people God uses. One, they're humble. They're humble. Humility is one of the most misunderstood things in in the Bible and for sure in Christian life. It's not 
like self-deprecation. Like it's not making less of yourself. It's honestly learning how to think about yourself less. It's, it's learning how to even see yourself rightly. The, the truth is this, is that God is looking for those that rightly see themselves in light of His goodness and His glory. The, the, the longer I personally walk with God, the more I understand this, that at the core of just about every sin in my life and in our lives is pride. Is this desire to be made much of, to gratify oneself, whatever that may be. Matter of fact, James speaks to this in James 4, 6 when he says, speaking of God, but God gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You hear that? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Think about this. It's painful when people oppose you. You ever had somebody in your life that's just standing in opposition to you? You're like, I can't get around this person or through this person. But it's painful when a person opposes you. It is impossible when God opposes you. And God is saying that if you live proud, if you live self-centered and seeking self, that he'll oppose you. And that's not because he hates us. That's because he loves us. Because God knows we can't make it on our own. I remember a pastor said one time, speaking of preaching, that when pride walks onto the stage, God walks off. That when someone goes to stand in their own strength, God says, well, I guess you got it, (laughs) and will allow you to stand in your own strength. I, I think one of the greatest ways God could oppose us is merely by the removing of his hand. You know, it's always interesting to me when it says in Acts about we see those first followers of Christ that didn't know a whole lot other than passionate love for Jesus and they prayed like crazy and it had some chief like qualifiers of what it spoke about and the hand of the Lord was on them and the hand of the Lord was on them. And I think one of the greatest things that could ever be said about you is God's hands upon their life. And here's, here's what I promise that if we, we will learn how to humble ourselves, God will put his hand on us. But if we operate in pride, he'll also remove it. You can't play God and partner with the work of God. You can't play God personally like I can do this and be a part of his work. His role, listen to this now, his role is rightly occupied. My Lord's not looking to see, he's not going to delegate his role. He's got it covered. And the good news is this, that he promises grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I'm learning this about me in everyday ways. I need more grace, not less grace. I need God to continually like funnel the grace of God toward my life. Now, let me tell you what this passage is not talking about, because I think we do weird things with Scripture. This passage is not talking about perfection, because that only happens when we get home. What this passage is talking about, though, is process. It's the continually moving forward. I'm not perfect, and I need grace. And when we humble ourselves before God, what we're saying is this, I know I'm not perfect. I know I need power. I know I'm desperate for your, your presence. And God says, when I find that posture in any person, I'll come near. I love it. It goes on to say in James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Right? Humble yourselves. Now, let me tell you, I, learned, I remember listening to people pray this and 
uh, early in faith and thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I remember many people would say, Lord, humble me. I was like, I don't know if you want that. You know, like, I don't know if you really want God to humble you. And then I, I started catching this pattern in Scripture. Now, God obviously can and will humble you. And by the way, if the Lord doesn't, life will humble you. Anybody ever had life humble you? Can I get a witness, right? Like you live long enough, life in itself will humble you. And the Lord, if need be, will humble you. But let me tell you what I think the Lord would rather us do. Humble ourselves. To make the daily decision to come before God and say, I'm not going to exalt self. I'm going to exalt Christ. I'm going to establish you as Lord of my life. That God in His sovereignty, listen, moves in our humility to set the direction of our lives. Think about that. That God in His sovereignty moves as we respond in humility to set the course of our lives. So I I want to encourage you with something today. To practice humility. Like to make it a part. I have, literally I have prayer cards because, listen, I desire to be a, a man of prayer but I've come to find out I'm not great at it. That, that I, I might commune well with God one day, just walking around being with Him, and then the next day, my brain could be everywhere. And so I actually have prayer cards that help me pray for the things that I know I need to pray for consistently, from people, ministry, opportunities, my children, my wife, all those things. But let me tell you what I've got in there a few times. is humility. Humble yourself. Because I'm reminding myself that this is what God has said. I have a practice that every morning, that I, I, I take a shower every day. That's a good thing, so I don't stink physically. But as I take a shower every day, I, I will kneel in my shower before the Lord saying, hey, I can't do it today without you. I just want you to know. It's just from my heart to Him. saying, I just want you to know, I need your presence and power. Well, you don't have to do that, but I would encourage you to find your way to humble yourself before the Lord every day. So that's a characteristic of the kind of man or woman that God uses. Second is a person that is hungry, hungry for God. Everybody on this podcast today, I promise you this, has a soul hunger for God that will not be satisfied in anything else. And here's what I found out. That that satisfaction in Him doesn't stop the moment that we're saved. It just starts. Like there's more of God to to know and to experience, and there's you're you're longing for what we'll fully experience at home, but there is so much more of Him to know here on earth. So listen, what Psalm I love what David says. You got to love David, a man of God that was radically imperfect but powerfully used of God. Psalm forty two one and two, he says, "As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God." My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The kind of person that God uses are those that embrace their soul panting. The kind of person that God's looking for is those that are saying, I want you more than anything. I think one of the greatest tragedies that plays out in the church, honestly, is is when you see those people that come to know Christ, or maybe they catch on fire for God, and they're just longing and hungry for Him, that over time they start filling their life with religious practices or, 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 or cultural norms or just doing church. And what you, what you miss is that, man, they were, they were uneducated and untrained, but men that had been with Jesus, people that just loved being near God. The greatest pursuit of our life is, 
is the Lord. <laughs> the greatest pursuit of our life is the Lord. And a heart that is hungry for God will be used by God. I love what John Piper says. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. Let me tell you what the world is looking for. It's for people that are truly satisfied. He's looking for people that have found what they were made for. And you and I, listen to me, were made for relationship with God. We were made to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. So when God searches the to and fro for the kind of men and women that He would use, He's looking for those that don't have it all together, don't have all the, all, all the right answers, but those that are in passionate pursuit of Him, that recognize their hunger. And then the third thing is holy. And I don't think we talk about this enough anymore. Honestly, I just heart to heart for a second. As a guy that's, I mean, I'm 40 years old, still on the younger side in, in ministry, I don't hear uh, us spend a lot of time talking about, and in all of our leadership practices and all those things, about the sanctifying work of God in our lives. Like I, I, I'm personally, I miss hearing people talk about that, that what God is doing in them, things he's putting to death and, and things he's bringing to life. I don't think we spend much time. And listen, praise God, I, I know we don't live in legalism and the Spirit of the Lord has set us free. Praise God because of the work of Christ. Our identity is secure and we deserve wrath and now we have life. But all of us need to embrace, listen, our sanctification. And, and simply put, when I would hear words first like that, like the word sanctification, I'm like, man, that's a cool word. I got no idea what it means. I would spend time with the Lord until He helped me understand it. I'd study all those things. And and here's what sanctification is, if you were to ask me. It's my identity in Christ becoming my reality in life. It's my identity. I am righteous in Christ, so now I'm learning to live rightly here on earth. I'm being changed by the power of the Spirit. And I just want to say something. I don't know you. I don't know you personally that's listening today, but I know this about you. Everybody needs freedom from something. And that will be true until we get home. And God is glorified in the sanctifying process. The Lord is not looking for someone that is perfect, but He is looking for those that will allow Him to work in those very areas of their life. So my question today in you, are, are you not that you are holy because of the work of Christ? But are you cooperating with that work that, that He is fleshing it out in you in a powerful way? When's the last time you confessed your sin? When's the last time you looked into the eyes of a brother or sister and said, let me tell you what's going on up here in my mind. Let me say what's playing out here in my heart. Let me tell you some shameful places my feet have taken me. Some, some directions, the drift that's playing out in my life. I want to encourage you with this. The kind of person that God uses are those that are being set apart. One last passage. I love this. 2 Timothy 2 verses 20 and 21 tells us about the kind of man or woman God uses. Now in a great house, I love the imagery of this. Now in a great house, they're not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Distinguishes between those things that are noble and those things that are just common. Some are for honorable use and some for dishonorable. I mean, some like are going to last and stand the test of time. Some won't make it. Therefore, here's, the, here's the, our part. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, 
He will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy. Huge phrase. You ready? Useful to the master of the house. Ready for every good work. Let me tell you what the Lord says. I want to change you. (laughs) I want to make you different. Like I I want to set you apart in every season of your life. I want to make you useful. But will you cleanse yourself? I mean, like, I'm going to empower, but will you partner? I'm going to pull it off, but will you play your part? Like, let me tell you what I've learned about the Holy Spirit. He's a gentleman. Now, he won't force you down directions that you, you won't die enough to yourself to go. But if you'll go there, he'll set you free. He'll set you free. So here's some encouragement. If you want to be the kind of man or woman that God uses... If you want to be that kind of person that could be a part of revival coming personally in your life, but to specific places, churches, and your own own family, then humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself before you. Make it a practice, not a one-time event. Humble yourself before the Lord. Let your hunger for God be awakened. Like, foster that, fan that into flame in your life. And the last part, like, cooperate with God's work in your personal holiness. In your fight for holiness, like be someone, you ready, that is useful to the master. And I, I believe, Bill, that God is looking for those kinds of men and women right now. Absolutely. It's so beautiful and practical prescription. And as you were speaking, Kyle, I couldn't help but think of how progressive this is. Mm-hmm. In other words, everything starts with humility. If mm-hmm. I don't admit my sin and acknowledge my need... Mm-hmm. Right? I'll never hunger for God. I don't mm-hmm. think I need Him. Yeah. But if I, if I humble myself before the Lord, yeah. that leads to a hunger, mm-hmm. and that hunger is what drives us to holiness. Yeah. So uh, what a great prescription God has given us. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and, and we want to be men who, when the time comes, we're ready. You know, my, my granddad was a pastor and a shade tree carpenter. <laughs> and one time my brother Tom was in the shop with Granddad, and Granddad said, Hey, Tommy, hand me that chisel. And uh, Tom was busy doing something, and he didn't do it. And then and then in a few minutes, he looked over, and Granddad had picked up a screwdriver and was using it as a chisel. And he put it down, and he said, Tommy, I want to tell you something. The handy tool gets used. Yeah. And if you're handy, wow, by God... He'll worry you out. Mm-hmm. He'll use you for His glory. But mm-hmm. if you're wandering over in a world somewhere, don't expect to be used by Him. Wow. And you know, we're thrilled today to mm-hmm. have uh, a second part of a of an interview that Byron Paulus did mm-hmm. with Robbie Gallaty from Hendersonville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, because God did a, a real deep work in, mm-hmm. in Robbie's life and now is using him mm-hmm. for His glory. So... Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's watch this interview. So, Bill, Kyle, once again, thank you. I'm so excited to have back on our podcast, Robbie Gallaty. Many of you probably heard him in the previous podcast that talked about what God is doing right now at uh, Long Hollow Baptist Church there outside of Nashville. And uh, not just a church that is proclaiming the hope of revival, 
but they've been experiencing truly an outpouring, a touch of God, um, and uh, and they're in the midst of the fire. And when the, when when you've been in the midst of the fire, the smoke is on your clothes forever. You just got to spend the rest of your life. That's my life story. I saw the fire, and forty. Four decades later, I'm still saying one more time, Lord, do it again. And this is one of those revival reports, those revival stories where God has been doing, again, what he's done throughout history. But also, we, Robbie, the last time you said something when you were on this episode about um, how God had to work in you before he could truly work through you. And... Uh, Man, that, that stuck with me. It has ever since I heard you say it, and it's so true. So I thought maybe we could take some moments here today, talk a little more uh, specifically about how God worked in you. I guess it was on the front porch when you got away, I wouldn't begin with, uh, but wherever. How, how did God work in you that you look back upon now and say, I'll bet that's part of God's plan to work through you? Yeah. So I, I started studying, uh, I was studying the scripture during this time as God was doing this deep work in, in my heart. And I realized I had to slow down enough to hear the voice of God. I was a busy person, ADHD, always going. And so I had to slow down. And so what I tell people, silence and solitude really is like taking a scoop of river water from the river, swirling it around and putting it on a table. The sediment takes a while before it settles, but when it does, you're able to see through the jar and really able to see through it. Well, the soul's the same way. There's so many voices, so many distractions. And so I had to turn the volume down, if you will, by sitting in silence and solitude. And I think it was a combination of that. And then I read somewhere where someone said, the Lord God only dwells in two places in the Bible. He only dwells in two places in the high and holy separate place, and with the lowly and contrite heart, with the lowly and humble contrite, uh, contrite heart, and the high and holy places. Now, the first one, we have no ability to get there. But the second one, we have an opportunity to humble ourselves to be in the presence of God. And I had simply gotten to the place, and some of you may be there now, I was disheartened, I wanted more of God. I believe there was more of God. And I knew that uh, there, there was something more to be had. And so I was going to do anything to get there. And when I say it was desperation, I was simply desperate, Byron, to do this. And I had built a ministry in my own power up to this point. I, I tell people this, and I'm not against seminary. And, and believe me, I've, I'm, I'm the product of seminary. I went to seminary one year after coming to Christ, eight years straight. I went went through master's, PhD, did the whole thing. And I'm not against seminary. But when I went to seminary, I went there with anointing of God on my life. I really believe this looking back. And when I left seminary, I left the anointing and traded it for intellect. Now, again, I'm not against seminary, but here's what the Lord showed me. You gave up calloused knees for seminary degrees. You traded dependence upon the spirit for intellect and strategy. You got to remember, the first church was birthed, agonizing in a prayer meeting. The modern church today is led, organizing in a board meeting, okay? And I'm not against all these things, but here it is. Here's what I want you to say. God showed me where the power was. And I realized the power was not in my sermon or ability or sermonic ability, development, delivery. The power was in the prayer closet. And so God began to birth this desire in me for more of prayer. And here's what's cool about prayer. 
I don't know. I didn't even know how to pray. I still don't really know how to pray, but I found, here's a great prayer for you. One of the prayers I prayed over and over is Lord, teach me how to pray. That's a great prayer to be honest with God. Teach me how to pray. And I've learned more about prayer by praying. And here's the thing about prayer. It's a dialogue for those who are, are, are just saying, what is prayer? It's a dialogue. Sometimes when I dialogue with my wife, Candy, I talk, she listens. There are other times she talks, I listen, but here's the best. There are times when we both are silent and we both are still in each other's presence. And that's all that's needed. Some of you need to slow down enough. You're, you're not a human doing. Remember this. You're a human being. Some of you need to slow down enough to simmer and be still before the Lord. Remember, God's first language was silence. And so, Byron, out of the silence, God spoke loudly to me. I'm often challenged. Uh, somebody asked Martin Lloyd-Jones' widow one time, do you miss your husband's preaching? And she thoughtfully replied, not near as much as his praying, because his Sunday morning pastoral prayer was 25 minutes. <laughs> now you think of our Sunday morning, and, and, and hey, Robbie, and all of you out there, and some of you know me, I, for probably three decades, would go out for a, a weekend just to prepare a church for a movement of God when our, one of our teams from the Life Action brand would arrive, and uh, I would sit there in the front row, and I would time the pastoral prayer. I won't give my results publicly, okay, but it wasn't uh, the widow of Martin Lloyd-Jones style, but, but what you said just provoked the thought. Maybe that does indicate what we consider most important uh, because you're right, it's either churches are either knowing churches, doing churches, or being churches. And uh, boy, do we ever need more being churches, because that's where the anointing, the sacred anointing, as Tony Sargent talked about, Martin Lloyd-Jones. So I, I'm assuming there are many pastors who are listening here, Robbie, and here's what I think could be going through their mind and their heart. They're saying, you know, that's probably another one of those mega churches that Robbie is at, running thousands. And uh, uh, Robbie is uh, exceptionally gifted just by God. And, uh, and I call a prayer meeting in my church. I mean, really? And even if I did, I'm just, I'm fearful to go out on the limb. <laughs> I'm just afraid as a pastor. I feel inept, uh, don't have the capacity. And I'm just frozen in that state. So what would you say to that kind of pastor? Yeah, I would say what, what comes to mind right out, right out the gate is this line I heard um, years ago, a, a river will never rise higher than its source. Now, there are, there are exceptions to that, I get, but just follow the example for a moment. A river will never rise higher than its source. Pastor, leader in a church, you are the source. In fact, you are the cap to the spiritual growth and the people pressing into God in your church. So if you're not pressing into God, if you're not believing God, if you're not praying, then how in the world can we expect our people to do that? A river never rises higher than the source. I would say the first place I would start before you go plan anything or organize a prayer meeting, I would spend time before the Lord on your face and ask God to fix you. You know, the old Billy Sunday, draw a circle around the ground, Ask the Lord to put yourself in it and ask the Lord to revive everything in the circle and then to do that in others' lives as well. And so I would start there. And here's what will happen, because it happened to me. You will be, get to the place where you get to the end of yourself. Now, getting to the end of yourself is a good place. Why? Because that's the beginning of God. 
And when you get to the beginning of God, you start to realize that your power, your strength, your ability, your ingenuity got you to this point. And you've done well, but you got to this point. And there's so much more. I tell our church all the time, you have as much of God as you want. You really do. You have as much of God as you want. And I'm here to tell you guys, listen, there is more of God to have. So I would say start with a couple, two things that really change Long Hollow. We started a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week ministry of prayer. We started this two and a half years before the outpouring of God. I thought, what could it look like, Byron, if we had a church that was a praying church, not just a church that prayed in crises? A lot of churches pray in crisis prayer ministry. What does a praying church look like? This is a church where people are praying every hour around the clock, handing off to another person for the church for the request. It took us about two years to get there. It's 100, there are 168 days of the week or 168 slots of the week. And uh, we hit 150 rather quickly. It was those 2, 3 a.m. Tuesday, Wednesday times. Nobody wanted. I get it. But eventually we got to the 168 slots all filled. And now, which is crazy, we have multiple people praying at multiple times. The second thing we did is we started a prayer ministry. And I know this is a heart of one cry. And I love this about you guys. Your heart is to launch 5,000 prayer nights at churches. The, the Cinderella of the church is the prayer. You know, if you love your church, you come on Sunday morning, Ravenel said. If you love your pastor, you'll come back on Sunday night. If you love Jesus, you'll come to the prayer meeting, right? So I get it's not going to be well attended. So don't think this is going to be a big thing. But you don't need many people. There was 120 in the, in the upper room of Acts. There were 12 disciples. He changed the world. So you don't need many people. But you get a bunch of people who know how to hear from God and talk to God, and you will begin to see God work on Sunday. What I tell our church is this, the fuel that fans the flame of fire on Sunday comes from the people on their knees on Wednesday night in prayer meeting. So I would do that. We have one online. You can watch ours to see how we do it. There's no real formula to do it. I learned from Jim Cimbala and others, but you just need to get along with the Lord and pray about leading a prayer ministry and then watch God move. Wow, thank you, Robbie. And that last word of yours is so, so, so important. You don't need a thousand. You don't need 500. In fact, I think we need two or three if I understand scripture. I've heard that before. <laughs> God happens to be there. And I believe too, and then Robbie, I'm just going to ask you to say a short prayer for all of our viewers and listeners today. But um, uh, I believe too that God likes to do his greatest work in the most unlikely places with at an unlikely time, as you talked about during COVID, et cetera, and with unlikely people, because he gets all the glory then for what he does. So Robbie, why don't you pray for all of the pastors and leaders and those who are uh, listening and viewing that God would just give them that kind of faith and obedience. Yeah, I love to. Uh, Father, one of the gifts of the spirit is the gift of faith. And I'm praying God now for supernatural faith to be given to these men and women who are watching, that they would see uh, that the prayer meeting, that any time of prayer is not wasted time, God, but it's time that you see and honor. And God, I think many of us don't pray because we don't believe it does anything. And yet, Jesus, you regularly and routinely went away to be with the Father. In fact, you said, nothing I say or do is separate and apart from the will of the Father. And God, you got that from praying. And so show us, God, that there is power in prayer. And so I just pray, God, you birth 
uh, belief again. That, that's what I pray, God, is they hear testimony at Long Hollow of what you're doing and what you have been doing, that they would be burdened and believe again. And God, that you would take like you did for me. I thought, wow, if we could just baptize a thousand people in one year, that would be amazing. And God, we saw that in 15 weeks. And you show me an interesting thing. You're going to take the ceiling of my faith and make it the floor. I pray that now, God, the biggest prayers we can ever pray. God, we would pray those prayers because we believe in a big God and we'd give you room to move. We love you, Lord. Spark a movement, an awakening in this country. Quicken our hearts. As John Hyde, you say, quicken our hearts to your work and your way in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, Bill and Kyle, thank you. That's our report today. And I pray that there will be thousands of replicated reports in the days to come. Man, I love that guy's story yeah. and what God yeah. is, is doing in his life. And it's so genuine and so mm-hmm. authentic, you know, his how the Lord has humbled him and he's cooperated with mm-hmm. that. And now how the Lord is using him. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me believe, don't you know, that the Lord is looking across our nation and longs to do that in the lives of so many others. Well, and what's so crazy about Robbie, if you ever see him in person, he is a mountain of a man. <laughs> He's a giant. <laughs> he was a, a former MMA fighter yeah, right. or something like that. And and uh, and just, you know, had every reason, and he's brilliant. Yeah, he's smart. He's a real mm-hmm. scholar. Mm-hmm. He had every reason to depend upon his own resources. Mm-hmm. But sitting on the front porch of his house, night after night, getting quiet before the Lord, he realized, uh, I need the Lord. And and so God brought him to humility, Mm. hunger, holiness, and usefulness. So hallelujah. Amen to that. And just so grateful. And we want to pray for that right now. And and, uh, Kyle, why don't you start us off, and we invite you to join us as we're praying. Okay. So lead us as we pray yeah. for these very things. Yeah, Lord. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that we wouldn't just be aware of how you want to work, uh, mm-hmm. Lord, but we would cooperate. And so, That's God, right. I pray for myself, for Bill, for everyone listening today, that you would help us, uh, Lord, to understand what it looks like in everyday ways to humble ourselves before the mm-hmm. Lord. So give us practices, God, mm-hmm. to help us do that. Lord, make that spiritually practical for us, mm-hmm. Lord, in ways that our heart would be in tune with you, Lord, and then awaken. God, I just pray, would you awaken mm-hmm. a hunger for God? That's right. A hunger for you and your word, a hunger for the work of the Spirit in our lives, God. Mm-hmm. Just, just a hunger to be a part of the kingdom of mm-hmm. God. So please, in a real powerful, authentic way, Lord Jesus, and then sanctify us. Set mm-hmm. us apart, Lord, as holy. God, help us to be wonderfully, brilliantly different mm-hmm. in this world, God. And, and uh, went with, Lord, that the church would be just distinguished, God. It would be mm-hmm. so distinct that people would go, mm-hmm. they're different, they're different. And it would be because, not because we uh, like prettied ourselves up on the outside of the cup, mm-hmm. but on the inside you changed us, mm-hmm. God, that you are changing us, I pray. Father, I, I can't help but think of... Uh, laying on the ground and uh, on a carpet in mm. Norman, Oklahoma, in the middle of a service when you really showed me the depth of my pride mm. and how shocked I was mm. at how pride uh, was present in almost every single arena of my life. Mm. And Lord, since then, now that's 
uh, 40 years ago. And yet, Lord, I still have to have to deal with that old dragon of mm. pride. And so, Father, I just pray that you would show us our need. Mm. Lord, use whatever tool you want to. And I pray then that we would humble ourselves by mm. admitting our need and acknowledging our sin openly, honestly before mm-hmm. you. Lord, make us men and women, uh, all those who are listening today, mm. who may hear this podcast. Lord, I, I just pray that there would be a hunger in our hearts right. to be in the right position, usable to God for the rest of our lives. Lord, the handy tool gets used. Mm. And I just pray that, Father, we'd be handy yeah. and we'd be holy before mm. you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, this prayer for for humility mm-hmm. and hunger mm-hmm. and holiness mm-hmm. uh, is an everyday prayer. That's right. We're never going to get over that one right. and the need for that. And mm-hmm. uh, take that little pattern of prayer. Mm-hmm. Pray it for yourself every day. Pray it for your uh, family. Yeah. Pray it for your pastor. Pray mm-hmm. it for the spiritual leaders mm-hmm. uh, in your church and community and the spiritual leaders across the nation yeah. because then we would be in a position for God to use us. Mm-hmm. And that's what we all desire. Well, thanks for joining us. And I want to remind you if you're watching by YouTube to like or comment or, and subscribe. And uh, if you're listening to an audio podcast, Uh, Go to iTunes or whatever platform you use and subscribe subscribe so you won't miss uh, an episode. We come out with a new episode every Tuesday. And uh, we want to point you also to OneCry.com, our website, where there are all kinds of uh, wonderful resources to help you become the man that God, the woman that God can Mm -hmm. use. So thanks for joining with us today. God bless you.